Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. Are you ready to talk about red flags? I am ready to talk about red flags. All right. What do you know what about is, red flags? Well, I'll just give you what my basic assumption is on a red flag. And sure. I think it probably relates more to birth mothers. And it's when you start going, are they serious about this adoption plan or is this something I should be concerned with? That's correct. We use the term red flags in the adoption community as identifying a concern that may or may not exist with regards to a birth mother and her adoption plan. Mm -hmm. And the term red flags is kind of universal. I mean, when somebody says a red flag, they are looking for like a warning sign or a concern. You know, when you're in a fight with somebody and you're waving the white flag, that symbolizes, you know, stop, peace. Yeah. (laughs) And so the red flag is like, you know, Warning. Warning. Exactly. When an agency is is working with a birth mother, we, and I can only speak for Building Arizona Families, we already have uh, a list of red flags that we work off of, that we have substantiated as general red flags that are a concern. Mm -hmm. And when we see them in birth mothers, we will staff it, which means we will get together as a, a group and... We meet once a week anyway, but in that meeting, we will talk about the concerns that may or may not exist because what is considered a red flag in one individual may not be a red flag in another. Okay. So you have to look at the global picture and understand everything in context. I thought this would be a really good idea to kind of dive into in the podcast because We do get phone calls from families that are matched with a birth mom and they're proceeding in their adoption journey. And in doing so, they may have Googled something and all of a sudden, you know, their birth mother has stated this or she is exhibiting this behavior and they're concerned. Right. And so maybe even freaking out. Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes they're on the floor and they're convinced that this is the end, that they've been, you know, scammed by this birth mother or she's not going to place and now what are they going to do? Part of the role of an adoption agency is 
providing a caseworker that can kind of hold their hand and, and calm them down as they walk through the adoption process. Right. And explain about red flags and what they mean and why, yes, sometimes they really are concerned and other times why they may not be a concern in that particular birth mother. Okay. In some of the red flags that we see, we actually don't necessarily identify them as red flags, Mm -hmm. but because Google does and society does and maybe somebody's friend's mother's sister's aunt (laughs) had a situation and you want to take them into account sure. and at least address them. Absolutely. Okay. So one that we get, I would say, the most often is birth mothers not attending doctor's appointments. They will blow them off. They are, this is my favorite, is when a birth mother will call and say, I can't go to the doctor. I'm sick. And I always say, well, that's normally when people go to the doctor yeah. is when they're sick. <laughs> yeah, I'm too sick. I don't want to go to the doctor. So I find some humor in that because that's not, I mean, it's not funny, but ironic. No, but I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How am I supposed to go to the hospital? I have a broken arm. (laughs) I'm having a baby. I can't go to the hospital. (laughs) Yeah. There are reasons that birth mothers do not want to attend OBGYN appointments. Mm -hmm. And again, you have to look at the situation globally. This is where you can't just identify one tree in the forest. You have to look at the whole forest. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes they may not want to attend because it's too painful. It it makes the situation too real. And some birth mothers will pretend in their mind that they're a surrogate, that they're carrying this baby for somebody else, that it's not really their child, that it's not happening. And so... And that helps them get through the process to some degree. It helps them get through the process. And every woman has to find their coping mechanism. And so, yes, we strongly encourage every pregnant woman to attend her doctor's appointment. We think it's absolutely important. That doesn't mean that they're going to. And we have no legal recourse we can't make them go to the doctor right. we can't show up at their door and hog tie them, them and bring them into the car right. and deliver them to the OBGYN. that doesn't work you know uh, that's not something we can do the other thing is is that sometimes they're afraid they're going to be judged okay. by the by the doctor's office and which of course is the furthest thing from the truth correct correct but i understand them thinking that right because they when somebody sees a pregnant woman, as we've talked about before, some people don't have boundaries. I'm talking about the general public, and mm-hmm. they'll go up and start asking questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and birth mothers often don't really know how much to disclose. They feel that they have to defend their decision. They feel like they don't have the right to be excited about their pregnancy, but they do because they're celebrating life, and what they're doing is amazing. Mm-hmm. The other reason that a birth mother may not attend a doctor's appointment is because she's not as invested in her pregnancy because she's placing her baby for adoption. Right. So a woman that is pregnant and keeping her baby and building her biological family. Wants to do everything right. Kind of like, okay, follow the process. Yes, absolutely. And so when a woman is not keeping her baby and she has the choice of, hey, you know, I can get an extra three hours of sleep or (laughs) I can get dressed and go to the doctor and be uncomfortable. And yeah. And so one choice will often outweigh the other in that scenario. Mm -hmm. The other reason 
is if a mom is using drugs and her doctor, most doctors uh, do drug testing when they come in for, for to their OBGYN appointment. If she tests positive, the doctors are mandatory reporters. And if she has other children in the home, that could be she an issue. She could lose them. Well, she could get the state involved. Right. Okay. Whether or not she loses them is up to the state. But they, she could definitely get the state involved. And some women are really concerned about that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so... Again, she is trying to walk that line of, hey, I want to place this baby for adoption. I don't want anything to happen to my other children. And I know I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Right. So now, how about this? I'm curious. Is any of it because just honestly, because of uh, irresponsibility? And I'm not judging. I'm saying I can be a very irresponsible person. And sometimes I let things go that I shouldn't. For right. instance. That's why they would rather sleep for another two to three hours. Okay. Because I wouldn't call that responsible. Right. I mean, that's not the choice that you make. Right. Okay. I mean, that's like So it saying, goes hand in hand with some of the others. Sure. So okay. that, that's the same thing as saying, okay, so I just got my paycheck and there's an extra $500 and I really should put that towards uh, this credit card, but I'd rather go to the casino. Right. And I've seen that a couple same of philosophy. times. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you won. <laughs> I'm not saying. <laughs> Another red flag might be always asking about financial assistance, making this the focus of every conversation. So when a caseworker is calling, is talking to a birth mom about her appointment, about having another conversation with the adoptive family, bonding with them, really getting to know them, what does she want the focus to be? You may have a client that really just wants to focus on when she's getting her next living expenses, what amount it's going to be, why is it not a different amount, and she really needs this amount of money for clothes, and and why, 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 and when, and when, when. Right. So that can be a red flag, um, but then again, it cannot be a red flag. Right. Maybe, maybe not. It depends on the person. Sure. Okay. One of the main reasons that women come into an adoption plan is because of the lack of financial resources. When you look at, as we've talked about before, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they're worried about their basic needs being met. How, you know, a roof over their head, clothing, food. They want to make sure that they have a door to shut at night and a pillow to lay on. And so when you are working with a woman who is basically 100% dependent on an agency to make sure that all of those needs are met, that is her focus. Right. Rather than, oh, I want to build a deeper relationship with the adoptive family. She's worried about... Where the next meal is coming from. Where the next meal is coming from. She's worried about, you know, where she's going to sleep that night. She's Mm. worried about... And even though those things are outlined in the contract between the agency and the birth mother as to what our responsibilities are and her responsibilities. It's still a concern because it boils down to a trust issue. Mm -hmm. And that's what we work really hard on as an agency is building up that trust to let the birth mother know that we are going to follow through on the commitments that we've made. And we can now focus on building the relationship with the adoptive family and and working on something other than always talking about the finances. Right. Now, so you've talked about when it kind of isn't a red flag. At what point does 
does your ear just kind of go, wait a minute, this is going beyond what, is there something that happens that you're like? Yes. Okay. So we have had uh, birth mothers who, and, and let me just state this for the record that every penny that an adoption agency gives to a birth mother is accounted for and submitted to the court. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if you know one agency can give two hundred thousand dollars and another agency can give five. 20. Right. And so when you have a birth mother that is calling around other agencies trying to see if they pay out more living expenses, because that is her one hundred percent focus, and she's trying to play both ends against the middle, basically. Right, exactly. See that would where be she can flag. get the best, right. quote-unquote, deal. So, yes. So if you have a birth mother that is in your agency and she is calling other agencies and trying to see where she can come up with the highest amount, that would be a red flag. Now, do the agencies communicate with each other when it comes to this? Um, the state laws actually frown on that. And so uh, there are very few ways that we can communicate. I would say that the adoption community is very small and that weighs in our favor. Okay. Another red flag may or may not be postponing choosing an adoptive family. This is one that my newer case managers worry about. And I think it is a valid concern Mm -hmm. sometimes. So again, looking at it in context and looking at the whole forest, when a mom comes into the program and she's done the initial paperwork and she has decided what type of a family she wants, when you present or she knows that you're going to present families that could potentially adopt her baby, Mm -hmm. it all of a sudden makes every statement that has been made, every paper that has been signed, 100% real. Right. She's looking at faces of real people. She's looking at who could potentially parent her child. And for some women, it is exceedingly difficult to comprehend that. That doesn't mean that she's not going to place her baby. That may It just means that it she... It makes it very hard for her. Well, sure. And I know that if I have to make a really dreaded phone call or tell somebody really bad news, I have to like process it for a while before I can actually make Just that phone jump call. jump right in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll pace around for a while and, and think, okay, so how do, I, how do I get through this? How do I push What through? am I going to say if they ask this? Or you kind of go through yes. it in your head, right? Yes. And so again, that could be a red flag if there are other red flags that are going along with this. Mm -hmm. Now, if this is a client that that we've been working with that we don't see any other concerns and she's just struggling, oftentimes what we'll do is we will set up a counseling session with a counselor and try to figure out what issues she's having with choosing a family. Mm -hmm. Another way to go about it is if, if the caseworker hasn't been successful, you know, with trying to reassure her and comfort her, if she has a relationship with the counselor, then that's something that they can do together and choose a family. Okay. If she's not ready truly to choose a family, then she's really not ready to be in an adoption program. The bottom line is, is that this is another step in a birth mother's adoption journey. And when you work with an adoption agency, we can start funding immediately. With an adoption attorney, you have to wait until they're matched with a family. Right. 
because we are allowed by the law to assist a mother with her living expenses, that doesn't mean that we can continue to postpone when she's far enough along a match process. Again, that's something that as an agency, we may have to say if she just continually does not want to choose a family, maybe she needs to take a break from her adoption plan and come back when she's ready to proceed in that adoption plan. Uh, after she's matched, another red flag may be avoiding contact with the adoptive family, even after stating that she wanted an open adoption. Again, looking at it in context, this could or could not be a red flag. Right. Sometimes adoptive families, as soon as they're chosen, they want to jump right in. They want to love bomb this birth mother <laughs> and they want to be her best friend. And the birth mother is thinking, okay, I just chose you. And I need to process this. I need some time. I need to, you know, basically find my footing again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sometimes choosing a family will immediately bring a birth mother peace. And sometimes it just knocks them right on their butt. They need to learn how to define their peace. We've talked about that before. I always say, you know, once, once I can find peace in a decision, I go forward and I don't look back. Right. And I think a lot of people may not recognize that's what they're doing, but they're doing it as well. When that happens... You know, as time goes by, if it's a continual postponement, and this is somebody who wanted an open adoption, and for some reason she's avoiding the family, and, and weeks are going by, and then a month starts going by, then I would say that is a red flag, and right. that needs to really be examined by the adoption agency with the birth mother and figure out what is going on. Right. Okay. If the birth mother is in a committed relationship and... This baby is a product of the father of all of her other children, and everybody lives in the home together. You would wonder why she would be choosing an adoption plan. Right. This is a red flag on the front end. This is something that we would see at an intake. And we do have to dive deep into this one because we want to make sure that she really wants to do an adoption. And this isn't because she's looking for a financial resource. Mm -hmm. So we look at why she would, what her reason would be for placing her baby for adoption. You know, sometimes she may have other children in the home and financially they are really struggling and they cannot take on one more and they're barely hanging on to the children that they have now and the state is involved and they're trying to just learn how to parent the children they already have. And the and difference between four and five kids can be immense. The right. difference between two and three. Right. I always say, you know, having seven, uh, the biggest and hardest jump was two to three. Really? Hands down. Okay. Hands down. No pun intended. <laughs> you only have two hands. And so it's, it absolutely, two to three was what knocked, knocked me on my butt. It was okay. two to three. It was, uh, yeah, it was a shell shock. So I, I get that. You know, I get that. I would even get between one and two because, well- no. In essence, you're doubling your children. No. No? One no, and two, two isn't bad, huh? Okay. You're outnumbered. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. You're outnumbered. It's like okay. they say, you know, if you have a, if you have two dogs, you have two dogs. If you have three dogs, you have a pack. So just kind of translate that into children. You have now a pack. Right. And they do have a pack mentality. <laughs> <laughs> it's us against them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Again, looking at this potential red flag. You got to look at it in context. You have to look at it as 
for what it really is. You can't just make assumptions and say, oh, that's a red flag. And that's something that as society, we need to understand when we have newer caseworkers, we have to explain when we're working with adoptive families. Again, we have to break it down because you don't have to jump at everything. It's when you, and even one red flag doesn't mean the adoption is not going to go through. Right. Or even two red flags. It's when you have red flags that are all adding together and it's like a puzzle and mm-hmm. you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, this is really a concern. And if we do have enough red flags and the birth mother is matched, that is where we have the adoptive parent case manager start preparing the family that this may not happen. So we always alert the family whenever there is a red flag, once they're matched and not to scare them or to take away from their adoption experience. But we do believe in preparation. Mm-hmm. And again, I've, I've told caseworkers this as well. You want to make sure that you're communicating because adoptive families have the right to know what's going on. We always say, you know, don't do a nursery room. Don't do a baby shower. That is not always followed by the adoptive families. Right. But you put that advice out there. Right. And let's say on a Friday, we get what we have deemed a red flag on a birth mother. And the caseworker is thinking, gosh, I don't want to ruin this family's weekend. I'd rather wait till Monday. And and my statement is always, you don't know what's happening this weekend. You need to let them know as soon as possible. Right. What if they are planning on ordering a crib from Italy and they're going to put down 3000 I've had this happen. $3,000. Really? Yes. $3,000 on this crib that is non-refundable. Wow. And you don't let them know of this red flag. Yet nobody wants to get blindsided by no. something that horrible. No. And that doesn't mean either to panic them. It's just, no. hey, we're on alert here. You right. should know where you're at, where you stand. Of course. if it's It's like this. If you have a child and your child is in grade school, and your child is not passing some tests. As a parent, you want to know. Right. Okay, so I can start preparing myself. That doesn't mean your child's going to fail that grade. It means that these are some issues. They need to be addressed, and they and you need to keep an eye on this. Mm-hmm. And that's really what red flags are. They're, they're nothing more than pointing out a concern, addressing it, and keeping an eye on it to make sure it doesn't get worse. Just like I said, going through... Your child's grades. I I can tell you that I I have one that I have to check her grades every day online. And I really appreciate nowadays <laughs> that they have it's that. It's available to do online. Right. right. Uh, so much of the stuff I when did I was younger, in school, right? my mom never knew. <laughs> yeah. Mine as well. And, you know, I mean, if you got an F on a test, you know, you could just drop out the trash can yep. and figure I'll get an A on the next one. It'll average out to a C. We're good. Well... <laughs> You know, now that you can see online. Literally where they are at on a daily basis. Yeah, I love it. I can't tell you how many times a day I check this one child's grades and send text messages saying, why is this assignment missing? Your phone's mine when you come home. (laughs) So, uh, though I have to give it back to her for school because I have to be able to harass her about her uh, missing assignments and poor test scores at school just to make sure that we are doing the very best that we can. So, uh, yes, I think that that we really need to understand and process and accept red flags for what they are, not overreact and not underreact. And working closely with a case manager 
is the best thing an adoptive family can do. Uh, maybe ask how frequently you know you meet as a team. Again, our agency, we meet every week and discuss every case. Mm -hmm. And this is because we all want to be on the same page. You know, I want the front desk receptionist to have the same knowledge and understanding that the case manager may have because the front desk receptionist is sitting out there and the birth mother is often talking to, you know, another client and she hears a lot. And so she knows what to listen for and she can, you know, weigh in. Every As a team, I think you need to include everybody regardless of their title because it takes a team to make a successful placement. It's not just one person. And that's where the red flags can, we can all together watch for them, deal with them, and assist the family in processing them. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112, or you can call our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or give you more information. You can check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption, written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me, Ron Rains. If you enjoy this podcast, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thanks to Grapes for letting us use their song I Don't Know as our theme song. Join us next time for Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.